0: You are now tuned in to episode sixty-eight of the Midwest Angler Podcast. I am Scott Sturman. I'm joined by Matt Deitch. Happy Easter, everybody. Happy Easter. Happy Easter and one gone. heck of a snowstorm.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. I wasn't I knew we were supposed to get some, but I didn't know it was supposed to be like this. Yeah. glad i got out fishing yesterday or on saturday when i did before all this stuff hit so
0: saturday really ended up being a solid yeah. day you know i mean when i had looked at the the future forecast you know it was it was kind of like uh you know 50 and dreary and you know chance of you know some rain, rain coming yep. through and it was just like man you know this this won't be any good but uh yeah all of a sudden you know you texted me and said hey you know any interest to go out fishing and I had some other stuff that I really had to do, and you know, I was kind of thinking, well, you know, weather wouldn't really be that good anyhow, and and whatever. And all of a sudden, you know, I go outside because I had to run downtown to the hardware store to get some stuff, and and all of a sudden it was like, whoa,
1: yeah, this is a really nice day. It, it ended up being pretty nice. I yeah, got out, when I first got out there, it was kind of cloudy, but yeah, it was. It definitely turned out nice. Like Doug, burnt, I talked to Doug out on the water. And like he said, they sure missed on the forecast today. And I was like, yeah, I'm glad they did. Yep, yep. We'll take so. it any
0: way we can get it. But uh, yeah, we'll talk about that later in the show. Uh, Matt had a pretty, pretty solid day, caught a lot of different species of fish, and uh, we'll talk about that. But before that, uh, we're going to get over to Johnny Candle. Uh, he's going to have a lot of really cool uh, walleye stuff uh, up on Devil's Lake, North Dakota, uh, some tournament stuff. But uh, yeah, we'll get over to him. And we're here today with Johnny Candle. Johnny, how you doing? Pretty good, guys. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, uh, with all of our shows, we uh, always get started with a couple non-fishing related uh, questions, and uh, uh, so I'll get it started off here. Johnny, are you a coffee drinker?
2: <laughs> I actually am not, which is which is quite. Uh... Puts me in the minority, I would say, amongst anglers. Uh, Every morning when you get in the boat, whether it's a tournament or a guide guide trip, somebody usually opens a thermos full of coffee and asks me if I want some. And I don't know, uh, Coca Cola, Pepsi, RC, something uh, with a little bit of kick. But I'm just not that into that coffee stuff for some reason.
1: I'm right along with you on that one. Uh, Scott's a coffee guy
0: Yeah, If I don't have coffee I'll (laughs) die (laughs) What's your favorite fast food restaurant Johnny
2: Fast food Well I'm going to make you define fast food Because that's not quite uh, as easy of a question As it used to be Uh, Are we talking like grab a bag and run Or somewhere in the middle Or what what, Help me out a little bit there
0: Okay well I'll say where a waitress Or waiter does not come to your table
2: All right, how about uh, Culver's? Oh, 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 yeah. Now you're speaking Scott's language.
0: You might not like coffee, but if you're a Culver's guy, you are in good with me. All right, well, let's get into the fishing. Uh, Johnny, when did you start fishing?
2: Oh, man, Uh, the earliest picture I have of myself with a fish that I believe I reeled in was about four years old. Uh, My father... Uh, was a phenomenal angler and had a passion for fishing that was like no other. His father before him uh, was the same way, and fishing was a way of life around our home. So I came by it honest, uh, and you know what it's like being a, a young man uh, admiring your father and grandfather and watching them go fishing together and come home with, you know, back then it was a metal chain stringer or a five-gallon pail full of fish and. Uh, i just couldn't wait to do it and and once i got started i i never looked back it was it was the obsession you know uh, played all the sports the you know the stick and ball sports like everyone else but man as soon as little league was baseball was over for the summer it was grab a rod and a reel and jump on the bike and pedal somewhere so yeah i started out really really young where where at did you grow up johnny So I'm born and raised in Northeast Ohio, a little town called Diamond, Ohio. And if you drove through it too fast (laughs) and blinked at just the right time, you would have never known you went through it. Uh, Literally a flashing yellow light on one side and a flashing red light on the other post office on one corner and a gas station on the other, and that that's that was the town, but it was in the middle of uh, a very rural part of Ohio, similar to some of the places uh, near Iowa, I believe that's where you guys are headquartered, yeah, yeah. or Minnesota, somewhere right around there. Very, very similar, where there's a farm pond every, every mile down the road, and uh, every dirt road seems to end in a lake somewhere, so we did a lot of fishing on the inland waters of Ohio, and then as I got older, my father discovered Lake Erie. And uh, man, that really got him fired up. And thank goodness it did because it pushed him into the charter boat industry. Uh, He got so fired up and hooked on that Lake Erie walleye stuff that he bought a charter boat when I was in high school. And that became my, uh, my summer job for high school and college was getting up on the lake and uh, being a dock rat and working for as many charter boat captains as I could.
0: Well, that's awesome. Uh, So when did you actually start guiding
2: well, if you want to call guiding, assisting a charter captain, which I kind of do, I was a deckhand, first mate. Uh, I was 17 years old when I first started doing that. Again, worked primarily for my father on his on his charter boat. But once the other captains uh, in the marinas noticed that I was eager and and not afraid to talk to people and had the skills necessary, not only just to to catch fish and entertain customers, but I was pretty good with a mop at the end of the day too, so I could <laughs> clean up a charter boat pretty quick. Uh, I earned the respect of a few other captains, and next thing you know, I was actually fishing more days a week than my father was because when his boat was sitting there idle, I would go jump on another charter boat and and first mate or deckhand for them. So I uh, started guiding, like I said, at age 17, and never ever thought then that I would still be doing it. Oh, let's see, I'm 50 this year, so do the quick math 33 right close to 33 years later and i'm still going at it so works out uh it worked out pretty well
0: now now that guiding has kind of taken you all over where are some of the places that you have guided
2: oh i've uh, i've fished a lot of different spots uh for hire uh, obviously lake erie in ohio there uh, i did some salmon and steelhead guiding on the lower niagara river Uh, from Niagara Falls to Lake Ontario, and it sounds like a stretch, but that was really only three and a half hours from where my dad kept his charter boat on Lake Erie. So that was a great way to extend my season, Uh, and it got me out of a lot of uh, tests in college, too. I could uh, (laughs) go to my professor and say, hey, I know we got a test Friday, But uh, I got a guide trip Friday, Saturday, Sunday in New York. Can I take the test some other time? And, oh, yeah, sure, come in before you go or take it when you get back. So uh, that was a great college gig. Made more money in a weekend fishing than most of my buddies did, uh, working 40 hours a week going through school. Uh, After I graduated from college, uh, did the Lake Erie thing for a little bit longer. Then uh, moved to North Dakota. There's a whole long story there that we'd need about a 12-pack of beer if we're going to get into. (laughs) Uh, I'll just say there was a woman involved, and she's not anymore, and we'll just leave it at that. But that that got me to North Dakota. Uh, So started guiding in Bismarck on the Missouri River where we lived, uh, and then uh, moved north to Lake Kakawea for a couple years and guided there. Uh, And then moved from there after the lady left my life or I left hers. That's, like I said, it's a 12-pack of beer. We'll have to (laughs) flip a coin to decide who really left who. But uh, that got me to Devil's Lake. Uh, North Dakota, where I've been since the year 2000. And and along the way, I've picked up some guide trips. A good friend of mine, Doug Burns, lives down there. You guys had him on the show not too long ago. Uh, I actually have assisted him a couple times on the Iowa Great Lakes there. Uh, I've done some guiding in Minnesota and a couple days in Wisconsin. Uh, Some states are pretty liberal about where you actually need a guide license and where you don't and uh, if I can pick up business when I'm traveling through places uh, or take care of a long-term customer that wants to fish a new body of water I'll do that so uh, I've guided all over the upper Midwest and, and again it's, it's been a riot it's been a lot of fun.
0: Now looking back on all the places that you've guided what would, what would you say was the most fun place?
2: Oh, you can't, you that's a no-brainer. Lake Erie is by far the, the most incredible freshwater fishery on, on the North American continent. There's nowhere else that I know of that you can catch the numbers of fish and the quality of fish and the variety of fish that you can pull out of Lake Erie. Uh, obviously known for its walleye, a uh, lot of them and a lot of big ones uh, have a lot of conversations with people. And when you start rattling off Uh, The lakes that you can go catch an eight pound fish, almost guaranteed. The list is really, really short. And Lake Erie is right at the top of that list. And then you toss in the fact that not only can you almost guarantee an eight pounder every day you're there, but you can almost guarantee a limit. Every day you're there. That's just the walleye fishing. The smallmouth bass fishing is just as good, if not better, than the walleye fishing. It's got enough uh, salmon and steelhead in the eastern end of the lake to keep those anglers happy, and they grow large, and they're fairly unmolested because it's third or fourth on the list uh the the yellow perch fishing in lake erie is right up there with some of the best as well so you've got diversity you've got size uh you've got quantity it's yeah it's my favorite place on earth to go fishing
1: what's what's the biggest walleye you've personally caught out of erie
2: Uh, Out of Lake Erie, personally, probably only about 11 pounds, but I've netted them up to 13 for customers there. Uh, You know, that's one of the bad parts of being a fishing guide (laughs) is you really don't have the rod in your hand all that much. Uh, You're usually helping other people. So uh, a lot of phenomenal catches that I'd like to consider myself partially responsible for, right? You get the boat to the right spot. Right. help the angler make the right presentation and uh, ultimately i caught them all because they were in the landing net in my hand so i guess that that means i had something to do with getting them in the boat
0: <laughs> yeah i'd say you get credit <laughs> now johnny how did you uh, eventually end up doing some tournaments
2: so the tournament the tournament thing was something i never really thought about until i had gotten out of college uh, i was 23 years old sitting around one day and watching some, you know, tournament stuff on TV and reading the In Fisherman magazine. And the professional walleye trail had been around for about four years. And uh, their main sponsor Cabela's decided, we can do this better than In Fisherman is doing this. And we're gonna start a competitive tournament circuit to the professional walleye trail. And it was called the North American Walleye Anglers. I'm sitting around one day thinking, man, there's got to be more to this fishing business than getting up and getting on a boat, running a guide trip or a fishing charter out of the same marina day after day after day. This tournament is coming to Lake Erie, and they're fishing out of a port about 20 miles down the lake from where my father's charter boat is. And I said, I know these waters as good as anybody. Let's see if I can compete with these pros that are coming here from Minnesota, Wisconsin, the Dakotas, wherever, and just see if I got what it takes. Well, I called to enter the one tournament and the, the nice lady on the phone said, well, if you're interested in tournament fishing, we have a program going because Cabela's is a major sponsor of the tournament trail. They have leveraged some of their vendors And we have 75 companies that are willing to pay the entry fee for an angler for the entire season if they commit to fish the entire season. And instantly I thought, why wouldn't you do that right right. (laughs) so uh i told her put me down for all four tournaments and hung up the phone and instantly called my dad and said you're gonna have to find a new first mate for the summer because i just committed to fish four tournaments across the country and uh we took it from there. Uh, Obviously he was shocked because I had never fished at that point in my life, uh, outside of the great lakes. So he had no clue what I was going to do. I had no clue what I was going to do. And quite honestly, I didn't have a boat to go do it anyways. I had dad's charter boat and that was not going to trailer from Ohio (laughs) to Lake Skakawea very well and fish for walleyes in North Dakota. So, uh, I scrambled around, bought a boat, uh was not a very fancy one it was a a lund sv i don't know if you're familiar with what a lund sv is but they do not even have a flat floor no they're uh wooden bench seats it has a split bench in the very back the uh, 40 horse johnson motor yeah really big power plant back there didn't (laughs) even have trim and tilt uh but you know what i took off across the country and and we made it happen and here we are today wow that's crazy
0: now, Johnny, uh, when I was reading an article uh, on on uh, the Internet about you before uh, as we were setting up this interview, I saw something about the Red Lantern Award. Tell us a little bit about that Red Lantern Award and the tournament that you got it in.
2: Yeah, so uh, I've got it actually right here on the shelf uh, next to my desk. And uh, let me see if I can get the glare of the light to go away. It says uh, Red Lantern Award Lake Sharp. Pierre, South Dakota, June 23rd through 25th, 1994. That was my rookie season. Uh, That was the year I took off to uh, chase my dream in a very, very, very used boat that a 24-year-old freshly graduated from college kid could afford. It was not the best tournament in the world. I went out Uh, The last day of the tournament with $25 in my pocket, uh, asking myself, should I buy bait or save this for gas to get home? And when I realized that you can't drive from South Dakota to Ohio on $25, I bought bait anyways. (laughs) Uh, So I'm out there, middle of the pack, hoping for something good to happen. And partway through the day, the outboard motor quit running, could not get it started again, and I was late for weigh-in because of that. I finished dead last in the tournament. And back in the old days, uh, the younger people won't even know what we're talking about, but the trains had a caboose. And on that last car on the train, they hung a red lantern. And that's how people knew when the train was clear of the railroad crossing was when the red lantern went by. So the tournament organization gave an award for $500, to the guy that finished in dead last place and i won that award it was kind of a good thing i did because i wouldn't have got home without it uh, i literally slept at the bank parking lot from saturday night till monday morning to get into the bank to cash the check so i could put gas in my truck to drive home and i leave that award on my mantle on my shelf Uh, it's actually the first trophy up there because i have them in chronological order and people ask me all the time why on earth would you leave a trophy up there for finishing in dead last place in a tournament and my answer is simple if you don't know where you came from how do you ever know where you're going Uh, that trophy has been a motivator to me for 25 years now uh, and it will always be and it's just proof that no matter how tough it is, no matter how bumpy the road, no matter how rough the start is, you can always turn it around and, and finish strong and, and make something of yourself. So I'm kind of proud of that trophy. I'm not proud that I finished dead last in a tournament. Uh, it is the only time I have finished dead last in a tournament, though. has been a great motivator. And uh, it's important to me to remember that even though I had a rough go when I started, I gutted it out kept my nose to the grindstone and turned it into a fairly good career for the last 25 years. I'd say so.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, that that really is a really cool story. When I was reading it on there, I was like, man, I got to ask him about that. You know, really, you know, the perseverance, because I mean, a lot of people would, you know, you're sitting out in the middle of the lake out there and, and your motor isn't running. You know, you know, you're not going to get in for weighing. A lot of people would have said, you know what, that's it and hung it up right there. But the fact that you you know gutted it out and kept going that's that's just awesome
2: well i had a dream uh as a young man all through college i wanted to work in the fishing industry and i didn't know how i didn't know where Uh, i do know that every term paper every research paper every case study that i had to do to get my marketing degree uh in college was about fishing and the fishing business so i was going to find a way to do it and The tournament thing was fun, even though I had a rough go for one of them. Uh, Long story short, in 1995, my second year on the tour, uh, I managed to scrape up enough money to buy a little more reliable boat, uh, and I fished well enough to make the year-end national championship tournament. Now, you got to realize that's only 40 guys out of 150 that fished a complete tour. Uh it was the Bassmaster Classic of walleye fishing. Mm-hmm. And here I am now at age 25, standing shoulder to shoulder with uh, walleye fishing legends like Gary Roach and Bob Props Sr. and Mike McClellan from South Dakota and uh, Daryl Christensen. And I mean, you go through the list of the guys that I grew up reading about and here I am for a, a photo at the end of the year of the top 40 walleye fishermen in the United States of America uh, at age 25 and man once that happened I wasn't turning back I don't I don't care what you'd have done to me there was no way you're gonna get me to quit
0: absolutely now you have another uh, trophy up there on that uh, or next to that <coughs> red Lantern trophy for uh, a world championship correct
2: yes I do uh, in 2010. Uh, at that point in my career, I was fishing the Cabela's Masters Walleye Circuit, which is uh, the longest-running professional team walleye circuit. They've been around, old oh, since the, oh, I think the early 80s, actually. 82, 83 is when they started. Uh, the walleye world was in a little bit of flux in the late 2000s. The The tournament circuit that I mentioned before had gone away about 1999, 98. Uh, The professional walleye trail was the dominant player for a long time. The FLW played in the walleye game for a short period, but the PWT had gone away. The FLW was talking about going away, and I had to find a place to fish. So I jumped in the MWC with a really, really good friend and a great angler, Dave Noble. Uh, And our first year out there together, uh, we finished second in the Western Division of the Masters Walleye Circuit, qualified for the championship, and ended up winning the World Walleye Championship in October of 2010. So uh, literally went from worst to first, but it took a couple years to do it. <laughs> Crazy.
0: Now that was on the Mississippi River, right?
2: <laughs> that was. Prairie du Wisconsin, a uh, very, very challenging tournament. One I'll never forget, uh, the river was nine feet above flood stage. Uh, We were actually, when we all got there to start pre-fishing, myself included, we were begging them to cancel the tournament because the conditions were just unbearable. Uh, The river dropped maybe a foot and a half before the tournament started, but it wasn't a matter of uh, fishing where you wanted to, it was fishing where you could uh, with a raging river coming down and muddy water, dirty water. Uh, But we found a limit each day and it was good enough to hang in there to win it when it was all over and man what a great feeling that was Uh, definitely felt like everything for all those years was worth it
0: I believe that
1: now do you like would you prefer a tournament like that where it's like kind of a tougher like you really got to figure them out or would you rather just have like a smash fest where everybody's catching them and it's
2: just a matter of who's going to catch the biggest it depends if i'm the guy that figured them out yeah well, yeah yeah <laughs> uh no in, in all seriousness uh the the true competitor in me wants the most level playing field possible for a fishing tournament and i believe the harder mother nature makes the conditions the the more level the playing field gets there's so many things outside of the actual on-the-water fishing that happens at tournaments nowadays, especially in the walleye world, that definitely slant odds one way or the other. Uh, Don't really want to take this whole podcast down that road, but when you can eliminate all the -the off-the-water stuff and make it about, one guy in a boat against another guy in a boat dealing with mother nature and everything she has to throw at you the tougher the conditions the more pure the competition is i i would say now don't get me wrong when we go to lake erie and you got four planer boards out there and for 80 percent of the day two of the four have a fish dragon behind your boat who's not having a good time right (laughs) right? Uh, those are phenomenal tournaments as well you go to green bay and finish in 73rd place but you still weighed in three eight pounders every day of the tournament it's kind of hard to feel bad about yourself when you're driving home even though you didn't get a check so i i love catching fish just like everyone else but for the pure competition uh for the for the purity of the sport, man, when, when, you know, you're scratching and clawing for five, six or seven bites a day, and you can't make a mistake because every boat, every fish has to get in the boat. Uh, that's what gets your blood going, man. That's, that's what it's all about. Uh, just like playing any other sport, right? Is, is it fun beating a team in basketball by 62 points? Well, sure it is. Cause there's your opportunity to score 30 and maybe at the end of the game you get to launch a few three-pointers that your coach would normally yell at you for but (laughs) i think it feels a lot better in the locker room when you win a game by one point and battled against a a competitor that's equal to you or maybe even better to you and you bested them for that day so that's kind of how i would draw a comparison
1: oh yeah where do you where do you in your opinion see the tournament the walleye tournament fishing going in the next few years
2: Well, until the last couple of weeks, I was kind of looking at the professional walleye game with some doom and gloom. Uh, I've wanted to see changes for years, and we haven't. Uh, You've seen them in other tournament aspects, uh, the bass fishing tournaments, especially with this live viewing and, and live catch and release and every fish counts and all that kind of thing. And we haven't seen that in the walleye world just the last couple of months, uh, an organization out of Wisconsin, they're called Head-to-Head Fishing, and I'm going to go on the record with your show saying, keep an eye on this thing, because right. it's pretty cool. I don't know if you guys have followed it much yet or not. They're actually fishing this week while we're talking right now uh, on the, the oh, what's the river there, the Fox River yep. that flows into Green Bay, and They're bracketed competitions, so you're really only fishing against one person at a time. It's all live. They have cameras in every boat. Every fish they catch, over two pounds counts. It's live release, so there's no damage to the resource. And Man, it's really, really fun watching a guy that's 15 or 18 pounds behind his competitor with 45 minutes to go, and the next thing you know, the guy is ahead of him. And You can watch the one angler's confidence build and the other angler just crumble uh, because the other guy is catching them. You get to see what they're using. You get to see the colors, how they're casting it, how they're working the baits. Guys, we've never seen that in walleye tournament fishing before. Yeah, there's a TV show that comes out what, four months, five months after the fact. uh, And it's all edited and patched together. So you only see what the television show producer wants you to see. This stuff, man, they're live. Every boat, live, all day long, watching these guys fish, watching them do it right, watching them make mistakes. And what a better way to learn than watching a guy under pressure try to catch fish to win a couple thousand bucks. I think it's exciting. I'm, I'm jacked up for it.
0: yeah i saw it now uh is that something that uh you go on a whole entire tour or is that if they come to your city you can hop in if you want to
2: yeah i i don't think they know the answer to that yet right now uh you know this is their inaugural season and obviously the the state of our our country with this virus is changing what they're doing originally they had planned to fish several events in wisconsin and minnesota and they were only going to allow an angler to enter one time so if you fished in one bracket uh you were done for the season well now they've made some adjustments they're not traveling the in the, you know two states because the virus stuff is keeping them closer to home so they're going to have a very centralized uh tournament series in wisconsin they are now ale- allowing anglers to fish more than one bracketed competition uh, but I think they're making those changes just to get this thing up and running and get it off the ground. I have a hunch the popularity is going to be so overwhelming. They're not going to know which direction to go in the future. Personally, I would love to see it where it's the same anglers competing many many times against each other similar to uh, a major league fishing bass pro tour Uh, how else do you build household names if you're only in one bracket out of six for the season then you only get your one shot at your live coverage and people are going to forget who you are unless you actually win the entire bracket Uh, i would love to see it maybe extend to 32 guys or 64 guys uh, maybe make the bracket competitions a little shorter do two or three rounds in a day because you could do that uh and let the same guys fish against each other or gals for that matter over and over and over so we can start creating followings for the anglers uh, i think that's what's made bass fishing so so exciting for people uh, similar to to nascar right you follow the same angler week after week after week and and you have fantasy leagues and you have bracket competitions and you know my guy's going to beat your guy and and all that stuff the walleye game has needed that for years and thank goodness these guys from wisconsin uh put their heads together and and took a gigantic step and tried to put something together uh actually i think the virus thing is helping them because we're all sitting at home looking right now, right? Give me something fishing to do because I can't go outside necessarily and do it myself. And uh, man, they're, they're blowing it up. They're killing it right now. It's awesome.
0: Is that something that uh, Johnny Candle could uh, see himself doing
2: uh, oh, in ab- the future? Absolutely. Absolutely. Guys, let's be honest. The two of you get in a boat together. You tell me that you've ever said that Scott's going to catch more than me today?
0: oh no i've never said that
2: (laughs) exactly (laughs) when you when you're going one on one right just imagine that the completely different mindset when you get in the boat and say i only have to beat one guy today i only have to beat one guy today that's a completely different mindset than saying i gotta beat 149 guys today i would love to go out there and just roll the dice one on one over and over and over uh like i said every day i guide you're always got a little side bet with your guide buddies or one of your friends that's not guiding who's going to catch more today who's going to catch the biggest that's just another day in the life of a fishing guide right so i i can't wait uh, for them to come closer to me or open this up nationally and and give me a chance to get in it obviously it's just as easy to get beat by the other guy as it is to beat him but i'd love the opportunity to go out there and just say i only got to beat one guy That would be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, well, I was looking over your uh, tournament record on your uh, website, and uh, if they make their way up to Devils Lake, North Dakota, I think my money'll be on you.
2: <laughs> I've done okay at home, but uh, you know, there's been a couple clunkers on Devils Lake too. You know, the guys only put on the website their top finishes. We don't show <laughs> the ones on the website when we didn't do so well. <laughs> yeah, I guess that. I guess there's that.
0: <laughs> now, uh, Johnny, before uh, we started recording tonight, uh, we were kind of talking to you. And you said that uh, here in the next week or so, you expect uh, most of the ice to be off of Devil's Lake, and uh, you'll be heading out on a boat. What are a couple tips or techniques? Uh, well, what kind of techniques are you going to be uh, implementing uh, once that ice is off that lake?
2: Well, you know, I think a lot of people make a huge mistake when the ice immediately goes off their lake, especially when they're chasing walleye. Uh, while i don't necessarily know that that ice is gone right uh just because the ice left doesn't mean the water warmed up right away and what i see here uh in north dakota a lot as soon as that's ice gone everybody wants to go straight to the bank in four and five feet of water and start casting fast-moving lures to catch walleye. Well, the day after the ice is gone, that surface temperature is not a whole lot higher than it was the day the ice was there. Uh, Those fish don't just crash the bank because the ice goes out. So what I like to do when I first get out on the lake is I check those last couple spots that you probably ice fished on, right? The, The deeper areas closer to the spawning grounds, right? So the fish might be moving towards spawning. They're thinking about it. But they're still going to be out there in that 18, 20, 24, maybe even 30 feet of water. Uh, they'll congregate around current. If you have any current in your in your local lake, uh, maybe some bridges, uh, areas where water flows in. Uh, you know, so those are other spots to look. But I try to resist that urge. To go straight to the bank and start casting although that's one of my favorite ways to catch them and i can't wait for that to happen it's usually two or three weeks away it doesn't happen right when the ice goes out
0: yeah that's that's really interesting but yeah i guess i never really thought about it like that like you know the walleyes aren't sitting there like uh oh, i think two more days and that ice is good. oh let's head to the bank
2: <laughs> right right now some some other fish are that way right uh, smallmouth yeah. bass uh the couple of days after the ice go out man you find a nice shallow rock pile and Go throw some blade baits or suspending jerk baits up in six or eight feet of water and you're gonna hammer a smallmouth bass. But man, walleye's and smallmouth aren't the same. Even largemouth bass, right? They don't right. crash the bank until oh in the northern part of the country, usually May, before you're fishing really shallow for those fish. So you gotta realize that uh their, their biology tells them where they're supposed to be and when. It's not our biology. It's not what we want them to do. It's what their instincts tell them to do. So, uh, again, just try to avoid being that excited. Uh, I'm not going to say you're never going to catch a fish up there shallow. You get a nice, sunny, warm day, no wind right after the ice goes off. Yeah, there'll be a couple fish move up there to get warm. But for the most part, pretend you're still ice fishing for that first week or so after the ice goes out and you'll catch quite a bit more fish
0: what's what's the temperature that you look for when you know that or or is there a temperature that you look for uh that'll kind of tell you hey i think the walleyes are going to start moving shallow
2: uh well they're going to move to spawn and that's going to be in the 40s somewhere in the mid 40s now they don't always spawn shallow and again that all depends where you're at uh and then once they move up there to spawn uh, the females tend to back off the spawning areas relatively quickly. They move a little bit deeper and then the males stick around. Uh, I guess they're just like any other male, right? They're always trying to get that one last <laughs> oh, girlfriend yeah. before yeah. the party's over. So they stick, around. <laughs> <laughs> they stick around way too long. Uh, so you can catch them shallow on the spawning grounds for a while here in devil's Lake. The magic number for me is 50 degrees. And when it gets to 55 and Squeezing up there closer to 60 i'm getting really really excited that might sound relatively warm but it's not Uh, by the midsummer, we're at 77 78 degrees for surface temperature here uh but boy the that magic number seems to be 50 and then anything above 50 i can find i'm even more excited the month of may the later half of may i fish more with my temperature gauge at home here on Devil's Lake than I do with my depth finder. I might check five or six different bays or shorelines and maybe go back to the very first one because all I'm looking for is where's the warmest water because the warmest water is gonna have the most active shallow fish. Uh, So I I might drive around for a half hour, 45 minutes, even on a guide day. Uh, When the wind changes, the warm water moves, we have some current here that pushes warm water around. It's not always in the same place two days in a row.
0: Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, what what kind of uh, setup are you uh, using once you do know uh, that they are moved up into the shallow water with the warmer water?
2: Yeah, so uh, as a guide, you have the uh, luxury of having a couple different rods in your boat. So you don't have to all fish the same way. Say if I have uh, three people in the boat, I'll have uh, at least one throwing some kind of uh, swim bait, soft plastic on a leadhead jig, usually quarter ounce probably something in the three three and a half four inch range not not a small bait by any means but nothing overly giant probably have someone else throwing some kind of crank bait and then uh who knows what the third guy will throw i'll find something mix it up in the in between uh maybe a blade bait maybe some some kind of uh lipless rattling crank bait that a guy can fish either with a straight retrieve or a semi jigging motion. But I like to give them a bunch of different looks, and it usually doesn't take long before you know what they prefer. If a guy casting, a, say, a shallow flicker shad or a shallow shad wrap catches three fish in a row, and the guy with the soft plastic doesn't get a sniff, then we're going to switch to a crankbait. Uh, other days, the, the soft plastic might come in first. And a lot of days, the days that you dream of, it doesn't really matter what you throw up there because those shallow fish are hungry and they bite just about anything. But let's face it, those days don't come along near enough when you're out there fishing. Yeah, Yeah, that's about right. (laughs) Are are you a braid, a
1: mono, or a floral guy, or it all depends on the situation?
2: Uh, Both. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I'm uh, pretty much exclusively now fishing braid on everything. Uh, I don't even know if I have four reels that have monofilament on them anymore. If I do, they're pretty much for straight hardcore live bait rigging, which is something that I don't do all that much anymore anyway. So I'm running a braid, usually uh, somewhere between 10 and 15 pound test and uh, a liter of about three feet of fluorocarbon on the end of that. Uh, the fluorocarbon's not so much For the invisibility factor, I like it for the abrasion resistance more than anything else. A lot of northern pike here in Devil's Lake, so I can put a 20-pound fluorocarbon leader on, still fish that quarter-ounce jig on the braid, feel everything it does, not get bit off all the time. Uh... Once the pike move off the bank, which happens much, much sooner than the walleye do, then I'll drop down to even a 10 or 12 pound fluorocarbon leader. But dragging it over rocks and logs and through flooded vegetation, it just holds up a lot better than braid or monofilament would. So I like that leader of fluorocarbon tied to the braid again you feel everything uh braided fishing line does a couple things it makes a fifty dollar fishing rod fish like a hundred dollar fishing rod and it makes a fifty dollar angler fish like a million dollar angler because you feel things that you never felt before in your life so much easier to know what your bait is doing and feel bites so you just catch more fish
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> Now, uh, Johnny, before we let you go, uh, if we have any listeners that uh, are going to be heading up to the Devil's Lake area or, uh, you know, want you to come fish, uh, you know, someplace when you're coming through, uh, how how can they get a hold of you?
2: Uh, the best way is probably my website, johnnycandle.com. Uh, Johnny is spelled like the world famous Johnny Cochran from back in the O.J. Simpson days, uh, J-O-H-N-N-I-E. And candle is just like a wax candle. Uh, And yes, it is my real actual given name. A lot of people ask me if it's made up, but it's not. It's it's the name I was given at birth. So johnnycandle.com. Uh, you can log on to my website and find everything you need to know there, or uh, you can follow me on any of the social media platforms except that swipe right thing. I'm not into that <laughs> one. I, I don't even know what it's called, but I know yeah, I'm not into right. on that one. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I do have a Facebook page. Uh, I would ask that if you do go to Facebook, you follow my professional angler page and don't ask for a friend request on my personal page. I do try to keep some things separate from the whole world to see. So when I want my mom to know what my grandkids are up to that day, I don't share that on my professional angler page. That's just on my friend page. Uh, And I have an Instagram. Uh, a youtube and a twitter twitter also and those are all johnny candle as well so pretty easy to find and follow and see what i'm up to and reach me through emails text messages heck even give me a phone call if you want to my phone number listed on my website i spend a lot of time driving around the country when everything is normal and sometimes a, a voice to talk about fishing while you're driving down the highway helps pass the miles pretty quick.
0: Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> uh, how often do you get down here to the Iowa Great Lakes and visit Doug?
2: Oh, I've been down there twice already this spring. I was really hoping to get back down there in a week or two, but it all depends on what's going on with uh, the whole virus situation right now. It's kind of scary getting in your truck, driving across country. Uh, you don't want to put other people at risk or yourself. So, uh, But I was down there twice this winter. I spoke at the Iowa Great Lakes Fishing Club annual meeting, and I spoke down in Lakeview, Iowa, at a Lund dealership earlier this year, Shamrock Boat Sales, if you're familiar with them. Uh, And I usually get down there once or twice throughout the summer or fall, if I'm passing through from a tournament or on the way somewhere, I like to stop in. Uh, those Iowa Great Lakes are some incredible fishing down there. The smallmouth bass are a lot of fun to chase. You got plenty of walleyes, and man, the bluegills grow big. I mean, big. You guys yeah. got really, really big bluegills down there. They're fun to catch. Yeah, <laughs> maybe
1: maybe we need to get you and Doug on a head-to-head.
2: Oh. Uh, I don't know. I think he'd beat me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We, we talked to doug yesterday out on the water we scott and i were over there on spirit lake so
2: we tooled over there and gave doug a hard time for a little bit oh good deal he yeah. sounds like he was uh, catching quite a few uh of the uh juvenile type walleyes it sounded like so. yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no uh johnny we really appreciate you uh taking time out of your day uh to uh chat with us that was a great interview uh, i i think the listeners uh you know, probably learn something there, you know, with the water temps and the baits and whatnot. So like I said, we really appreciate you uh, chatting with us and hopefully we can do it again very soon.
2: Hey, anytime guys, I'm always available. Just let me know. Awesome. Right. Thanks, Johnny. Yep. Thank you.
0: There he goes. Johnny Candle guy packed with information. That That's was for sure. That was cool. Uh, I, I really appreciate him, you know, spilling the juice like on the uh, temperature of the water that he really looks for and yeah that uh
1: some of those techniques and everything that he likes to utilize uh i think he kind of goes around and talks at like a lot of the shields and stuff like that oh really area. does a lot of seminars i think next time that he's in the area definitely got to get up there and yeah he's a solid talker him. yeah oh yeah so it's great to have him on the show
0: yep yep uh, well, you know, uh, spring is here, but obviously, as we mentioned earlier in the show, uh, we got dumped on with snow on Easter Sunday, and uh, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, that's not really springy feeling, but I got my boat uh, back from the guy, um, the mechanic, uh, it's ready to rock, but Matt, you got out actually on Saturday uh, right. before Easter Sunday, and you actually had uh, some pretty good luck. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Started off, I didn't get out, went over to Spirit Lake over here at the Iowa Great Lakes and uh, started off at a, about 12.30. Didn't get over there till later in the afternoon and just thought I was going to fish for a few hours. Uh, first spot I pulled up to, just kind of started working in the area. I've never really fished a whole lot before, just a little bit and just kind of wanted to see it. It was more of a mapping mission. I wanted to find some rock piles and things like that since it was a nice day and you can move around a little bit. Well, I started fishing and... Uh, Actually, the first fish I caught was a (laughs) muskie on about about the 10th cast. Really? Yeah, I was just kind of hopping a tube along the bottom and then uh, felt that thunk and kind of figured it wasn't a smallmouth just by the way it bit, and I thought maybe, well, here we go, sheep's head, but no, I got it up close, and I could see it was in the form of that, so I was like, well, maybe it's a northern, and then I kind of saw a little bit of silverish, so then I thought it was one of the silver pike. But then, as I got it closer to the boat, I could see the spots on the side. And I was like, "Oh, this is a muskie! I gotta land this!" Thing. Yeah. <laughs> and that was a that was a smaller one. It wasn't like real big, right? But a muskie's a muskie. That's yeah. right. I was just like, I just got to get a picture with this because you don't very often get a picture with it, something like that. So, quick, unhooked it, got a picture with it, and got it back in the water because obviously season's not open and everything yep. like that here for it. But uh, then a little bit later, caught a couple walleyes doing the same thing. Uh, tried some other techniques. Just wasn't really. Getting much for bites
0: because uh, you're after smallmouth. Because I, I was after smallmouth. I guess we'll put that's what, that out. Yeah, there.
1: that's what I was after. Were the smallmouth because the walleye and, er, and muskie are both closed over here, but I was targeting the so, Um So then I moved another spot, uh, got over there, didn't find a whole lot. Did did hook into a monster sheep's head or drum that some people like to call them. I mean that thing was a toad. it Yeah. Was, it was kind of similar to the one that I caught last fall oh. when you and I were out and fishing in the bass tournament. I yeah. knew right away when I hooked into it, I was just like, well, this, this is not a small I can <laughs> If it is, much. it's a record. And, uh, and the water was clear, and it was only in about seven or eight foot of water, so I could see it swimming around down there. So I was just kind of at its mercy for a while, but it tired out pretty fast, and I was able to get it in the boat and take a pretty cool picture with it. Uh, Sent it on its way. Then I moved to another spot, and I was, finally, I just put on a heavy tube with a heavy jig head in it and just started dragging that around the rocks uh, I set myself out in some deeper water and threw up to kind of a shallow shelf where there was some rock and just full, and slowly just kind of drug it back to the boat and uh, finally you know I was giving myself I'm going to be out of here in 15 minutes if I don't catch anything because I just wanted to catch at least one smallmouth but well, I hooked into one and it got off and it's just kind of disappointing so I threw back out there and pretty soon like they say this time of year when you can find one you're gonna find usually more and i did i mean it there's a lot of times where it was a cast one cast after another catching them then for a while you'd have to wait for a little bit and cast let them reload and, yep just kind of fan cast into some other spots and then bam you catch another one there was nothing real huge yep but i mean it wasn't anything small either and it was just nice to get onto a school there was some other guys out in that area there were some guys in kayaks actually out really? there really And they were catching a few, from what I could see, they were pulling in some fish. And then uh, another guy in a nitro, I I don't know if he was from Nebraska or where he was from, uh, he was kind of fishing close to me, and I was kind of like, hey, you know, he was casting all around, and I didn't see him catching anything. And I was like, hey, they're loaded up in here if you want to pull up here. But he was like, nah, he just kept fishing kind of up on the rock structures a little bit and well no one ever said anyone from nebraska was very smart <laughs> i just thought i'd be nice no but, i'm just and kidding. he was and he was just like ah oh, no that's all right i was like well i'm leaving pretty soon because you know i was getting about that time where i need yep. to get, get the boat loaded up and get going back home but he just kind of hung out but as soon as i took off that old kayaker he was pedaling as fast as he could to get over to right where i was so, really yeah it was kind of funny nice but you actually caught two muskies i did catch two muskies, That's right. Um right before the first spot just a little bit a little ways from where i caught that other one when i i finally tied on a heavy tube there too when i started dragging it and like one of the first the first cast actually with the heavy tube dragging it i hooked into it and when i got it closer to the boat i was like oh that's a that's that was actually a little bit bigger Musky, can, really from the other one and uh I only got, I got two pictures with it, but the one was kind of blurry, so I only posted the one that looked halfway decent. But they were pretty, they were pretty fish, pretty cool spotted muskies like they get around here, so that was yeah. pretty neat.
0: Yeah, well, you can't beat that. Uh, any day you can catch two muskies, whether you're yep. targeting them or not, is, is pretty solid. <laughs> and it didn't take me 10,000 casts. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a couple walleyes in there, and then some smallmouth, sheephead. Like- yeah, it
1: ended up, I mean, I ended up catching fish, and it ended up being a pretty productive day, I mean... If I was fishing a tournament, would I have thought it was a successful day? Probably not. But just out there fun fishing like that and just getting it in before the snowstorm,
0: definitely. But if you were fishing a tournament, you probably would have fished it a little bit different also. Right, yeah, for sure. So, well, uh, I don't know. I don't know. You got anything else?
1: No, it's... Like I said, hopefully now this weather gets out of here. It's Supposed to be kind of thirty for the next few days, and then the yeah. way it looks is like the weekend's supposed to be in the sixties, and there from there on out, it's supposed to be pretty nice. Right,
0: ten day forecast is looking pretty solid. Uh, hopefully yeah, get hopefully that
1: snow out of here. We need the rivers here, that are the smallies here in town, to start going. And right. If we get some of that sixty degree weather here in the later part of April, yep. they'll start going.
0: Right. I have heard of one or two being caught. Uh, our buddy Tanner got down there and caught a walleye oh, well, I the saw other that. day pretty nice walleye um yeah i don't know i think the walleyes are going over on the sioux river and of course walleyes are going everywhere else that you know the water is open and you're able to target them i think the bite's going pretty good but yeah here here over at okaboji we can't do it minnesota obviously you can't do it but south dakota you can but don't go over there because they're going to complain about your license plates in the parking lot so (laughs) you're trying to stir up and cause some drama here i just think it's horse shit i'm I'm not gonna lie to you if if you've got you know it it just doesn't it just
1: seems like when you go onto these online forums forums on like facebook or somewhere else like that online and it doesn't seem like there's any other states that are ever complaining about non-residents like you know some of the south dakota people do
0: I, I just don't and get it. And it's not
1: all the South Dakota people. No. There's a lot of them that are, a lot of our friends don't care that we come over there and fish. It always seems like it's the bad eggs that get online and sit there and whine and moan about the non-residents. And that was, that's been going on long before all this stuff that's going on in the world right now. I mean, it, it's been going on for years. It just seems like they have a hatred for non-resident anglers.
0: But I mean, you know, we've been over at Spirit Lake already this year. We've seen South Dakota license plates Ton of in the minnesota parking lot. people town of minnesota we see nebraska right i mean guys like i mean we're we're, we're it, happy
1: it, we're happy to see other bass fishermen we're like right, dude he, that dude's fishing bass he has a bass boat that's awesome we're not like go back to your state leave our fish alone
0: but i mean if you're paying for a if you're paying a for a license you're up here you're gonna spend money in the stores you're gonna spend money at the you know, the bait shops, the gas stations, you know, whatever. I I get this whole COVID-19 deal, whatever, you know, but these people aren't going around and, and, you know, touching every doorknob that they can. Right. They're they're driving to the ramps. They're going in the water. The bathrooms aren't open at the ramps. I mean, uh, you know, they're not, guys, this, I mean.
1: We gotta, I mean, we gotta start looking out for each other during all this stuff, no matter what state you're from. Out there in Michigan, did you see that, that they can't use motorized boats anymore?
0: Well, there's a lot of states, like, I mean, out in Washington and Idaho Well, right, you are, can't Oregon, at all. I mean, you can't fish, period. Right. And I tell you what, that's what's going to happen when all these people are online bitching about, right. you know. Right, complaining like that and
1: stuff like that. So they're going to just say, you know what?
0: Yep, fishing's We're just going to
1: shut it down for everybody. Yep. And then you can blame it on the out-of-staters again. Right, it's <laughs> but, our fault that we're coming in there. And I just think, I think one of the big reasons why it is that way over there is... You know, they are one of the only states that's open for walleye fishing. You know, Minnesota, right. you can't walleye fish until the second weekend of May. So, a lot of those people are just like, they just take advantage of it to go over there and fish. They buy their license. They go over there and fish. Like, they have the right to do. Just like the South Dakota people, if they want to come over to Minnesota or come over to Iowa once it opens up, they have the right to do that. Right. I just don't I just don't see why they get so butthurt about it. Right. And, and like I said, it's not all. It's just... There, it always seems like a few of them ruin it for everybody.
0: And uh, Oh, I mean, you know, I'm on the Minnesota pages, too. They'll complain about, you know, the Iowa people. You know, all, all the different states complain about everybody. It really... More than anything, it does seem like the South Dakota Pages hate the Minnesota people. Right. <laughs> it <You know> <laughs> it does. It's like us Iowa people are just kind of sneaking in there like, yeah, yeah, the heck
1: with the Minnesota people. Yeah, y'all <laughs> <them>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> boo. And then the South Dakota like, yeah, yeah, what they say, yeah, where you
0: from? Yep,
1: no, well, Eastern part of the state? Yep, yep, over there in the eastern part.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I mean, the crazy thing is, I mean, we are closer to almost every lake I shouldn't say almost every lake We're closer to a whole lot more lakes In South Dakota than we are To even any real lake
1: right. You know here <laughs> in, in Iowa we've got In Minnesota
0: dive. I mean right. South Dakota
1: is actually one of our Closer destinations for us to be able to go and fish on Right like Normally but. So yeah it's just you know Everybody yeah. needs to relax and we all need to look out for each other right now before they say, you know what, we're like you said, we're just going to, no, we're going to shut it down and nobody can go out there and fish.
0: Right. I mean, it's one thing if you, if the state wants to shut it down, but as long as the people are, you know, obeying the law, you know, right. traveling over there, I mean, yeah, you can, you can complain all you want on Facebook, but that ain't going to change anything. So, well, whatever, I guess, uh, since we probably lost all of our let listing. us know. Uh, you guys let us know what you feel about that. I don't know if I want anyone to let us no, know. No, it's, if
1: they don't like it, that I mean, everybody's word. Like yeah. we have always said before, we're open to everybody's opinion. Change your mind on it. Why do you think that the non-residents should be allowed to come in there and
0: catch your fish? Right. Yeah. Well, message us. Don't don't use too many four-letter words. <laughs> but yeah, message us. Direct them to Matt. Message Matt. That's <laughs> so, right. All righty. Well, that's it that is episode God, 68 68 i've got 68 written down here but i don't think that the is it it's 68. i don't even remember doing episode 60
1: it's 68 man it is you're starting to lose it a little bit here.
0: i i've lost it a long time ago
1: you got all fired up about that non-resident resident stuff and
0: oh i wasn't that fired up here you go hold on i'm pulling it up on my phone i don't it actually, is 68 it is 68 67 was mason 66 was rich All right, 68, we're out of here, later.